Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research, and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond. Hi, Eli. How you doing? I am good. How are you, Leo? I'm good. Thank you for jumping on and having a chat with me today. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Always yeah. a pleasure. Um, as you know, we're celebrating Pride in the month of June, uh, and obviously diversity and inclusion is a hot topic at the moment. Um, I guess today we wanted to understand it from the perspective of a LGBTQ plus professional. Before we dive into that, let's start with some introductions. So my name is uh, Eli Tumolian. Um, of course, my full name is actually Eliezer or Eliza. There's a couple of ways of saying that. I am a research analyst uh, for the uh, Montreal brokerage team at Collier's. I've actually been here since last February. So it's been a little bit over a year now. And uh, I have to say it's uh, a rewarding experience having to work with such amazing people. And uh, what else can I say about myself? I mean, uh, I've been in the real estate industry for about two and a half years. So not very long. I don't have a storied career just yet, but uh, I'm very much working on creating a sort of presence in the real estate industry, especially here in Montreal. I'm actually not from Montreal, not even from Canada. So I was actually raised in the States for about 13 years. Uh, since I was about three years old, moved here to Canada in uh, 2008 with my mother and my younger brother. And, you know, just uh, been here ever since, did my uh, post-secondary degree or got my post-secondary degree here at Concordia University in urban planning and uh, human environment as a minor. And other than that, uh, I, I guess what would be appropriate for this podcast would be for me to share my uh, pronouns, I guess. So I'll just do that. So I go by he, him, his, if that matters. And uh, yes, I do uh, consider myself part of the LGBTQ community. It is a community that I very much enjoy being a part of. And so uh, I'm glad to be able to join the podcast with you today, Leo, and be able to discuss some of the things that uh, I think are important to discuss when it comes to anyone who identifies as an LGBTQ professional. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Love being part of this journey with you today. In terms of introduction, my name is Leo Lee. I'm the Director of Research Operations for Colliers Canada. I've been with Colliers for the longest time, uh, I think 13 years now. Most recently, in the last three years, I've been, uh, I've actually moved to Toronto. I love the city just as much as Montreal because Eli's from Montreal, so I have to say <laughs> that. The rest of that time, I've actually uh, was originally from uh, Auckland, New Zealand, and I spent most of my uh, life growing up there. Um, I'm originally born in Hong Kong. Am an only child. I would say, you know, as as in the context of this discussion, um, uh, mm. I would consider myself as an ally. But I always think there's always a lot of things I'm I'm still learning, still understanding, and every day I want to get better and and in <laughs> my stripes in a way. So mm. I, I'm I'm really glad that I'm able to to sit down and actually have this conversation with you because you know we've. We work pretty close together in research. You're also a good friend, but I think in, in the context of this podcast, this is probably the first time we've actually sat down and talked about a topic like diversity inclusion and also, you know, the LGBTQ plus um, community 
and what that means. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So uh, I'm glad to hear that you're identifying yourself as an ally because, uh, you know, it is a learning process, I think, for everyone. And we're still growing and learning every day, trying to figure out how to uh, navigate such a topic, especially in the workplace. So it's I'm glad to hear that you feel that you're taking on this initiative in a very uh, constructive way. So, yeah, makes me happy. <laughs> makes me happy, too. So let, let's yeah. dive right in, Eli. Tell us about your journey. You mentioned, you know, just under three years in the real estate industry. How's that journey so far? Uh, so far, it's been um, a heck of a ride. I think uh, when it comes to working in corporate, you know, each individual industry or sector has its own uh, traits and characteristics, things that make it good and bad, you know, the little different pros and cons. Overall, though, my experience has been quite tumultuous, I would say, <laughs> but in a good way for the most part. I mean, you know, I've, I've never had to step out of my shell. Growing up, I've always considered myself an introvert and starting work here in the real estate industry in Montreal has kind of forced me to become very social, very much uh, someone who's had to network with professionals on um, numerous occasions, uh, whether it be from, you know, a Montreal real estate forum point of view or at work uh, events or functions. It's it's very much interesting to to put yourself out there and to try to understand how the market works and the different trends that are uh, affecting it or impacting it. So it's very much uh, an interesting ride, but you know, with those pros, there's always going to be cons. There's always going to be situations where you're going to have to come up with these different types, types of solutions for yourself and not only for yourself, but also for your clients and for your coworkers as well. And that's where the navigation starts to get a little bit hectic, trying to steer yourself in the right direction. Um, and I think that might be difficult for anyone who's starting in any profession, really, and not just in real estate. But uh, when you're first in an, you know, in an entry level position, you you really have to take into account the different things that you need to do in order to make sure that you're going, you know, through steady waters. So overall, I think uh, it's it's been a great experience. Very eye-opening. Fantastic. I guess, I guess, you know, when you mentioned it's diff difficult starting out in the, in, the, in the new industry, building up from that entry level, does it add an element of complexity when, you know, you identify yourself as a black gay man? Hmm. And, and are you able to speak a little bit about that, those experiences? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> it's already there in the description as a black gay man. Uh, I mean, very early on when you realize that you are, you know, this person, you know, that, you know, you can't really hide who you really are. You just start to think, OK, well, how do I fit in in any part of society in any part of, you know, your environment? And I just. You know, I kind of just realized that I, I was a minority within a minority, or I am a minority within a minority. It's basically that I, I fall under these two categories where mm -hmm. it's very easy for me to feel isolated or to even be isolated 
because I don't necessarily relate to a lot of people within um, a certain ecosystem or in this case within the industry. You know, it's it's very different, I, I would say. Um, kind of like, if I could give an example, it would be when I first went to the Montreal Real Estate Forum, and it was basically the first forum that I that I uh, attended. And uh, I remember just being there. You can kind of count with your fingers just how many black people there were in in the crowd. Um, it's just such a very it's a very homogenous sort of ecosystem where everyone sort of looks the same, and you feel off in a way. Uh, where you feel as though you don't quite belong. And I was actually there with a coworker of mine who was also a research analyst. And right. we're both there. She happens to be she happens to be of Chinese heritage. And we're both sitting there, we're just saying, oh my God, like everyone just, you know, we don't look like we could fit in to that environment. Uh, and that's sort of what uh, created a, a, a little bit, it added a little bit of anxiety uh, to myself, and I felt as though that this was going to be a journey. I felt like this was going to be a very aggressive journey where I'd have to really step up to the plate and take the challenge of trying to inject myself uh, among uh, the real estate industry, among the real estate crowd. Put yourself out yeah. there um, and all yeah. that as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in and, and those, and those uh, situations or, or feelings of isolation, how, how did you overcome that? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's still a process. You don't necessarily overcome feelings of isolation or separation uh, overnight. I, I think, however, I've managed to like I said, put myself out there and, you know, be vocal, be a little bit more assertive, say the things that I need to say to people in order for them to understand where I'm coming from as as a person, as someone uh, that's part of the LGBTQ community. So I, I have to approach it very carefully. So the thing is, I don't necessarily put myself out there. I don't necessarily put my sexual identity or my orientation out there for people to know. It's if, you know, during work events or during work functions that people will often ask, you know, hey, Eli, uh, what about you? What's what's your personal life like? You know, do you have someone that uh, you consider a significant other and nah, 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 this or that? Yes. And, it, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily force me to go into um my personal life to deep to do a deep dive into my personal life but uh it does open up the opportunity for me to be my authentic self and then see if my colleagues or see how my colleagues react to it and oftentimes they're always surprised they're like oh i didn't know like i didn't know you were uh you know a, a queer individual you know i didn't know that you were part of the lgbt community i didn't know that you were you know and uh it's not their first guess but either way it does open up the, the the lines of communication. And when I when I start to educate people a little bit and you know, tell them a little bit about myself, that's what lifts that veil. It begins to help ease the tension between myself and my colleagues. And then 
that isolation, the feeling of being isolated or alienated starts to fade gradually, not entirely, but gradually, you know? Yeah, and I like that. I, you know, the, I totally relate to that, you know, creating this environment uh, of comfort. And that can only start when uh, we rise up and just talk about it. Yeah, I would say candidly, uh, when I was thinking about asking you on and having this conversation today, for a split second, I actually hesitated. Not because I was worried you would say no, because I you, yeah. you say no to me all the time, but around how to be, <laughs> but around how to be respectful in the approach. I didn't want to make any assumptions, um, yeah. and I wasn't sure whether you you wanted to share these experiences. And this wasn't something we never talked about before. So, do you think you know make coming up with the best way to make the uncomfortable feel comfortable? It, uh, is one of the things that we could do to improve awareness in the workplace. It, yeah, creating that level of comfortability is important. But you know, there are so many different opportunities that would allow for people to be their true and authentic selves. I mean, if I could give a little backstory, you remember the summer last year, I think it was last year, the year before, actually, sorry, the year before, when um, you actually came to Montreal with a couple of your friends and uh, I invited you to a, a rooftop party oh, we love <laughs> um, rooftops. at a bar. <laughs> we we should have done this interview on the rooftops <laughs> if, if scheduling permits, actually. <laughs> we'll do another interview. We'll do a part two uh, and I'll schedule a rooftop for us for sure. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I remember we, uh, I invited you to a rooftop party that a friend was hosting and you brought your friends along. Um, and I also brought my friends along as well. And I think at the time you um, you may have gotten a little bit of exposure to my personal life when um, you met um, my friends who just so happened to be fiancés at the time, but now they're married. So um, yes. they're husbands now. Both of them are very active in the LGBT community. One happens to be a dancer uh, who's just, you know, amazing at what he does. And his husband, who happens to be my best friend, uh, has worked in, you know, various organizations and has attended various events uh, surrounding pride and uh, the queer culture. And uh, I think that might have hinted uh, at you some a little bit of, you know, who I was. And I think that was just the beginning and, uh, you know, getting comfortable with you, being able to speak with you um, on a friendly level over time after after the fact kind of made it easy for me to just say yes when you approached me um, for the podcast. And I just said, you know, well, I think if there's anyone who's more appropriate to be able to speak on this topic with me, I think it would be you. Even though you feel like you're not prepared, I think you are. I think, you know, you sell yourself short because you you understand um, what it means to be more inclusive at work, to allow for people to be their true true selves. And uh, I, I don't think I would have said no to the idea of doing the podcast with you at all, Leo. I don't think that would have been the case. Um, I know, I know you wouldn't have said through... no. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's to even though I say no all the time to you, uh, but it's through those opportunities that I think coworkers um, learn a little bit more about themselves every day when you're able to socialize outside of work, even um, outside of the bounds of 
just the typical nine to five. Um, and also it, it's about how open that individual wants to be like for me personally, as a, a queer individual, I, I don't mind sharing that part of myself. I don't think it should hinder um, any other part of me. I don't think it should devalue myself, myself or my uh, ability to work or my capabilities, my skill sets. I don't think it should have any impact on that. And so I'm comfortable with sharing that, um, being that we're in a day and day and age where it's okay. But for some people, that might not be the case. You know, some people might feel that they are uncomfortable to do this at work, to be their true selves, to be okay with disclosing this kind of information. And that's okay, too. You know, you should never really force anyone to to come out. You should never really force anyone to have to speak on their personal lives. It's if they feel comfortable, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that yeah. The comfort level is... It's so important and and you know and then wrap that around the environment uh the workplace or or any social setting um it all it all mm -hmm. kind of adds to that i know at, at colliers we we have you know different training and resources to to bring awareness to dni and 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 the lgbtqi plus community mm -hmm. and, and that the training comes you know, from the top down, from the bottom up, all sorts of direction. We also have a self-identification program mm -hmm. that, that we, we're, we're running. What other important areas do you think we can do to continue this momentum and, and build on, on, on this? Yeah, you know what? I was actually reading an article the other day um, where companies that provide you know different policies and benefits toward certain individuals um, especially towards the lgbtq community uh perform well overall i mean they they're seeing much more product productivity among uh, colleagues they're seeing much more um, engagement with clients uh, because clients are seeing that companies are taking this very very seriously um, and, you know, some of the things I would include even is just sort of these training programs and resources and make them available, make them more available for anyone who would like to learn a little bit more about how to become an ally and how to engage with just about anyone from any part of the spectrum without actually, you know, coming into the territory of offending anyone. You don't want to come off as being aggressive at first with someone when it comes to uh, speaking on their sexual identity. You don't want to, you know, be derogatory in any way. You don't want to uh, disconnect them or create this sort of tension between you and this person. It's not something that you want to do. So I think a lot of like training programs are, are useful and, and, um, and are necessary even. Uh, and, and, you know, I even read another article where some companies are now adding programs or benefit, benefits or coverage for uh, trans people to, to transition. Um, right. So that's going to be part of their coverage. I think Scholarship Inc. is the one that's doing it, if I'm, if I'm uh, correct. But uh, either way, uh, more and more companies are adding these sort of uh, initiatives and projects and policies and to their the overall business and their operations 
and I find it very fascinating. I find it very cool that they're they're able to just be open about this and say, you know, we're willing to do the work. We'll, we're we're willing to learn, and we're willing to work with you to to get this up and running. You know, even with this like self ID program and workday, like it's. It, you know, again, it goes back to how per, how comfortable a person is when it comes to sharing their identity. Um, but I think it's a great initiative because it just lets people know how the business is doing, how we as a whole, a company, uh, how we are t- able to tackle this uh, sort of uh, subject matter. Um, and that's great. Uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, even with the employee resource groups, for instance, I, I think that is an amazing initiative. Just creating a network networking group of individuals who are like-minded, who feel like they need to create a, a, a line of a network with other individuals who who see eye to eye. I think that's that's gold for any any industry, any stand, any uh, company in any industry. Yeah. Now, with all the work that you're doing, um, you know, building awareness of the community and, and building allies and forming those relationships, uh, harassment in the workplace still exists. Um, are you happy to share oh, yeah. some of those individual like experiences you face? I mean, um... Yeah, I mean, it's very much a topic that I think is important to to discuss when it comes to harassment. It, it, it does exist. And when it comes to harassment against, you know, queer individuals, I very much think that exists. So, I mean, you're you're talking about uh, different microaggressions that might exist uh, between colleagues, you know, uh, mm-hmm. derogatory terminology. Um, verbal abuse of any kind or even just like little things that a colleague might say that may offend um, a queer individual and it exists because there isn't that there isn't that environment where every one of us can learn together and to to be able to process what we've learned together. It, 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 if it doesn't exist, it's not gonna, you're, you're not, you're gonna see more of this happening. You're gonna see more harassment. You're gonna see more um, workplace um, issues overall. Uh, for me personally, I, I was sort of, no, I, I guess I was, yeah, I was a, a victim, although I don't like using the word victim. I, I wanna say I was part of this sort of scenario where, because of what who I identify myself as, I think um, with a colleague, it just got to a point where it reached sexual harassment, a level of sexual harassment that I didn't think could exist in an industry. And for me, that, that individual, I mean, we don't speak now, but uh, it, it was very much a hard um, subject to bring up. It's essentially, outside of a work function, we we were communicating, we were socializing, and, you know, I think um, things got a little bit too far, and, uh, you know, there were advances that were made that shouldn't have been made, that things that were said that were quite inappropriate um, and made me feel extremely uncomfortable. 
And being that that was the case, you know, the following day after the uh, the events, you know, we we just couldn't, or at least I just couldn't see eye to eye with the person. I couldn't really mm. speak with them on the topic. And that's where it gets hard is what do you say after you've experienced something like this? How do you speak on the, 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 the subject or the matter with, you know, a coworker? Do you get someone trusted involved? How do you navigate that? And for me, because it was just a first experience or I don't want to say first experience. I want to say maybe because it was just an experience that I had there was no way to know exactly what I needed to do. And not knowing what to do is frustrating in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I felt very uncomfortable continuing to work in that workplace, uh, to continue, continuing to work for that company. So I decided, okay, well, maybe rather than going over to you know, HR and discussing this, I think it's just better to remove myself from those situations as a whole. Because if you think about it, or at least um, when I when I went through it, I I thought maybe reaching out to HR would have been a good idea. But sexual harassment against a black man, um, I mean, it seems unheard of, uh, especially when given the 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 situation we're at right now, where when it comes to harassment at the workplace, it, it, it has a tendency to fall. Um, on women in the workplace so i thought you know just going to hr would just it felt it felt like a joke it mm. felt like maybe it would have been a joke and it just made more sense for me to leave the workplace and find something else and you don't want that in any company you don't want to lose a valued individual simply because of an action like that um you want to give them a chance to speak on it, at least, if they're comfortable to do so, and find a way to resolve the situation. And I just honestly, I, I don't think it worked out that way. And I, I don't think it would have worked out that way, to be honest. Um, so that's why I'm so adamant on uh, companies creating policies and creating these employee resource groups and providing tools to help uh, all colleagues be able to navigate the whole of the whole subject of LGBTQ professionals in the workplace. It's such a vital and necessary um, step towards where we're going as a society. I don't understand why you wouldn't have it available. I don't understand why you wouldn't have some sort of a framework available. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. You know? it, it seems so trivial, these things, but... Um... Uh, yeah, but the change we've seen, I guess, over the past few years, have been so positive and so quick to action um, mm-hmm. that I guess even to this point in having this discussion, um, that uncomfortableness is gone. I feel, um, and as mm-hmm. we speak more um, in length in this podcast, I'm starting to open up to to asking you these questions that. I wasn't comfortable in before. Um, And and going back, and and the reason why I asked this harassment question is that it it can be as simple as a, 
as an assumption that, hey, Eli, we've got this company work function tonight. Um, do you want to bring along your wife or your your mm -hmm. girlfriend? And uh, you know, it's it's not obvious at that point when you ask that question, and and you never go into the best of people's um, intention that that that's not where they want to you know come come forward as i guess in a way you you're trying to say is you wouldn't want to to, to offend anyone just by you know in, injecting interjecting into their personal lives and assuming something about them right making that assumption correct yeah make, uh, making that assumption be, yeah yeah it, it, because it could be harmful and 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 uh your relationship between you and this individual and uh, just to to speak on that i think i think if anything um there are mistakes that that could be made or that would be made uh in any sort of scenario like this especially ones that are outside of work functions uh, outside of work, the workplace um and I, I think it's just you really have to allow them to open up, allow individuals to open up and allow them to speak on the topic themselves. If mm -hmm. anything, like, say, for instance, you say, hey, um, do you want to be your girlfriend or, you know, your husband? Uh, if you feel com more comfortable with, with saying something else, it, it's probably best to go with, you know, hey, uh, uh, can, would you mind bringing your uh, significant other or mm. your partner uh, just to be more open and, and to realize that there are individuals that could be part of the spectrum um, of the LGBTQ community and that maybe doing so, opening up that, that uh, channel to become more, you know, wider and to become broader, it creates that comfort comfortability that we we're speaking on earlier where the person is you know seeing that you are making the effort of realizing that not everyone is quite the same not everyone has quite the the the, the similar background as as you for instance um but it is that effort that really matters uh for anyone really i think even if you aren't, uh, if you don't identify as a queer individual, I think making the effort of understanding a person and being able to be um, empathetic is what any anyone really needs, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, switching gears. Uh, yeah. Being a part of the LGBTQ plus community um on the flip side was there any point where you felt uncomfortable oh god yeah uh <laughs> yeah flipping the script um, a little bit flipping the script yeah uh you know what uh, i i like to think that people who don't know much about the lgbtq community um may not realize that even this you know even we have our issues, even we have our problems, even we face our own uh, stigmas. Um, and uh, it, it comes with the territory. I mean, every everywhere you look, there's always gonna be pros, there's always gonna be cons, there's always gonna be some sort of um, something that comes up that just creates this unnecessary vibe within 
any social group. Um, for the LGBTQ community, for me personally, I've had moments where I felt uncomfortable with the issues of race and categorizations. Like, <laughs> this is, it's not always rainbows and sunshines. There are moments where, you know, you could be um, socializing with people and, you know, next thing you know, you're fetishized for some reason. Um, I mean, being a gay and black, uh, being black specifically, you get fetishized quite a bit um, for the way you look. Uh, you know, they st people start to build stereotypes around you and they start to categorize you as something or another. Um, I'm often categorized as, you know, or perceived as this person who is aggressive and dominant, uh, where actually I'm kind of sensitive in some, some regards. I always found um, you a sensitive, Elon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although not as sensitive as some other colleagues who, whose names shall not be mentioned. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, there are these um, perceived notions of who you should be within the community, but you're really not. Um, and that's always made me feel uncomfortable in some way. I've always felt like I had to um, uphold those standards and to 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 become whatever I was supposed to become, whatever I was supposed to be defined as. And next thing you know, you know, you start feeling as though you're alienated once again and a community that should be doing quite the opposite should be being should be inclusive you know mm. um and so i've i have had moments where i felt like i just didn't relate to the 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 community however it's not to say that they aren't trying as well you know i mean there are moments where um they're self-aware like we are all self-aware and we all realize where that we are not quite doing the work, right? That we're not quite um, getting it. And that's where we try to learn from one another. I think that's what's important, right? Is you sit down and you have that discussion and say, okay, well, why isn't it working? What's going on? What's, you know, what are we doing wrong? What are we saying wrong? What are we, how are we acting this way? Why are we acting this way? Um, and, that's always important. I mean, every couple of months, I'll come together with friends from, you know, all parts of the community. I'll kind of have like a picnic outside or um, have like a little house uh, um, gathering and, or a dinner party. And we'll just come together and we'll talk. And, you know, next thing you know, we fall into topics like politics and we'll fall into topics like race and, and, uh, uh, tokenism, fetishization, uh, all the juicy words and things that uh, are, are trendy right now. Mm -hmm. And we talk about these topics and we try to gauge where we're at with this and, you know, try to understand or try to help one another understand where we're coming from. When we say, okay, well, I feel uncomfortable that you think that I should be this when clearly I'm not, you know? And that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to assume anything for anyone. You don't want to categorize someone. You don't. You don't want to put them in a box. That's that. If anything, putting someone in a box just makes it even more exclusive in any way. Like you just set them apart and to divide them from from the community as a whole. 
Um, and yeah, I really do think that there are moments where the community is doing its best and it's going to take a while before we get to a point where we say, you know, you know, there's no need for marginalization to get to a point where no individual, no one individual should be marginalized. No one individual should be considered separate or categorized in any way. Yeah, and I, and I think um, everyone has a duty in in mm-hmm. in, in playing that part, uh, whether it's at the corporate level, at the individual level. It, it, it's what is core to our values. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think all of the above uh, is so important, uh, regardless of you know what sexual orientation, what skin color, what gender. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's so important. Um, it's essential. It's yeah. essential. Yeah, and um, I guess if we if we look at uh, what's ahead, you know, three, five, yeah. ten years ahead of us. Uh, what do you see as the future of a LGBTQ plus friendly workplace? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, if, if we're talking about short term, definitely more policies, more work, more framework needs to be added um, into any company's core values to help bridge that gap. Um, you know, kind of like how we spoke on the benefits coverage for trans individuals for sexual reassignment. That's, I think, such a progressive move right there. Um, it's not something that you see or hear of, and it's just now beginning, you know. There are little mm-hmm. things even that are, you know, Collier's is doing, for instance, where they're, they're promoting the use of pronouns. So if you're an individual who feels like you, you want to include your pronouns in your profile, mm-hmm. that is the thing that you can do, you know. I, and a few years back, you could never do something like that in a corporate setting. Probably not, you know, um, again, more resources for not only queer individuals, but for the allies too. It's so important to have those training resources available. So in the future, you, you could see more of those, or you could see more group discussions or even therapy surrounding the subject matter itself, because there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> we had, there's a lot to unpack. I don't think this podcast could ever really cover all the the um, the uh, nooks and crannies. I mean, being that you know, we're only two individuals. You're you being an ally, me being a black gay man. It's only two perspectives that you're seeing. There's so much more to unpack, and creating that environment where you can communicate uh, with your colleagues in a very safe setting is so important and getting the perspectives from so many different people opens up your eyes, opens up your mind to so much more that's out there. So I could see that in the short term. In the long term though, I would love to see the DNI program shut down, (laughs) but for a good reason, (laughs) I would love to see that, you know, no one individual is considered marginalized, you know, in the long term. I I would love to see just everyone considered, equal in terms of the work that they're able to to, prov- to do, the skill sets that they're able to pro- provide to a company, that, you know, they're able to secure uh, wages, uh, appropriate uh, salaries, 
uh, and not just have these, you know, wage gaps that we're seeing, that we're still seeing even to this day. Um, but that's just in the long term. And like I said, we have such a long way to go. Such yeah. a long way to go. Long way to go. But I, I, yeah. I, I, um, I love, uh, you know, within our team, within the company and, and within the profession, just some of the steps that are being taken, serious steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mm. genuineness in executing in those um and i think that's the start right and and, and yeah. it, it feels organic it doesn't feel forced because genuinely that's what what everyone wants for the future um yeah and like you mentioned in the long term if we can shut down the program and we are just programmed to 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 know this is our values um yeah that would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that would it's be just automatic. Fantastic. Just... Well, thank you so much, Eli, for sharing your experiences. I know some of those were deeply personal and um, you know not easy to share. Um, yeah. Again, I'm I'm so glad that I was able to do this with you. I I really learned yeah, yeah. so much today. So I really want to thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it's been a great experience. I've never done a podcast before, so uh, I'm sure you haven't either. I haven't either. <laughs> so <laughs> this is uh, this is new territory for us. But I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the discussion. I really jo- enjoyed being able to, you know, talk about the the different things that just make the community so great and so interesting, and uh, making this initiative so valuable. It it is very essential like we said before and the first step is creating a window you know a dialogue a line of communication opening that up and say, uh, allowing people to to discuss you know the different nuances of being an lgbtq plus uh, individual at work it's not something we talk about every day but it's something that we're starting to talk about every day or at least every so often Mm -hmm. and it's it's good to see it's good to hear that and i think it's important to to have this and an eagerness Mm -hmm. i guess to learn and to uh be comfortable with change i think that's always very difficult oh yeah no it's it's very difficult for some people it's it's uh hard to to progress um but that's why that's why we we're all here to sit down and have a have a, talk, a chat about it you know so it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's not going to be easy to understand why some of these initiatives are necessary but once you explain it to someone once you're able to disclose a bit of information a bit of your perspective then it becomes easier to understand where we're all coming from in terms of uh, inclusiveness for queer individuals. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, mental note, uh, next time when we do a podcast, yeah. we're going to do it on a, yeah. on a rooftop. That's for sure. Oh, I've already, I've already, <laughs> I've already spoken to, uh, to a friend of mine. So, uh, you're booked, you're on the guest list. Uh, how many people are going to be like maybe two, I was thinking maybe invite, uh, the whole research team. This whole research team sounds good. Yeah. yeah, let's <laughs> awesome. do it. <laughs> awesome stuff. Thanks right. again, Eli. Take care. Thanks, Leo. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks Podcast. 
To learn more about Colliers Canada, our experts, and our solutions, visit colliercanada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.